Hello from elsewhere. I'm Valerie. And I'm Casey. Welcome to our podcast where we explore all the finer details of your favorite fictional worlds. All right, Valerie, I have a all-important question for you. Let's hear it. Which Marvel character would make the best addition to the Fellowship in Lord of the Rings? And no flying characters allowed because that's cheating. So any of the non-flight or teleportation, yeah. You know how they always argue that the eagles should have just carried right, the ring. That's why I added that. I wondered. Caveat. That was my first thought. I was like, well, I don't know. Falcon, <laughs> Iron Man. Anyone that flies. No. Anyone that flies. No one can fly in the fellowship. That's cheating. Um, can we have the Scarlet Witch? Because she's pretty powerful. Yeah, then she could just like move the ring to Mount Doom. I don't know. Once it gets out of her vision, can she still move something with telekinesis? Can I'm she not feel sure. Its presence, sort of. What a the thing? limitations are. I just feel like I want to see her face off with the Eye of Sauron. No, she needs to face off with the Witch King. Ooh, also good. Witch against witch. <laughs> I asked you this question without any idea in my own head of what I would say, but uh, Scarlet Witch does seem like a good fit. Um, Plus, there's just a sad lack of female characters in. Well, the Fellowship has zero, but just the uh, Lord of the Rings books in general. That's fair. Very few mentioned women. Yeah. Well, and I said Marvel character. That doesn't necessarily mean Marvel movie. Oh. So I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Squirrel Girl. The only answer, which is Squirrel Girl. You'll probably hear a lot about Squirrel Girl from us because yeah. she's my favorite Marvel character. We just created this podcast under pretenses of all fiction, but really we just want to talk about Squirrel, but not really. But why would she be a good choice? Because she eats nuts and kicks butts. <laughs> Well, and my thought was, there's a lot of walking through woods. A lot of walking through woods. I'm sure there and are tons of squirrels in the Lord of the Rings universe squirrels. that uh, can be Middle Earth put squirrels. To use. Middle Earthen squirrels. Absolutely. Yeah. The friends of the Ents. Oh, that, see, and I was going to say Groot. Now I remembered what I was going to say was Groot. Oh, Groot. He just fits in the fellowship, I feel like. And maybe. After but which Groot? Teen Groot is no, kind of, you know, Guardians terrible. 1 Groot. <laughs> Baby Groot, people would just have to carry him. Teen Groot. Cute but useless. Wouldn't want to get anything done unless Thor's there. And, yeah, I would say Guardians 1 Groot. He'd be very helpful and loyal. And also, after they return the ring into Mount Doom, he could help the Ents find the Entwives because he can move a little bit faster than those slow Ents. Also, now I just want a Groot and Squirrel Girl team up. Because Groot would probably love the squirrels as well. Absolutely. Draw a picture of a little Groot with a squirrel on his shoulder. Yes. tippy toe on his shoulder there. Please, someone draw that for us. I know. Why aren't we more artistic? I don't know. I'm going to try, but it, Please do it. it'll look really bad. We'll each try it and we'll post them, <laughs> no, even though go. they'll be Here's terrible. Here's our attempt at Groot <laughs> with squirrel. With tippy toe, specifically. Oh, tippy toe. Okay. The, pink, got bow. the pink bow. It's okay. a he, but yeah. Tippy toes a boy? Tippy toes a boy. No. He is so. Let me look that up. It's right here in the book. I've got some gender bias. I just assumed the pink bow meant tippy toy. Tippy toy? Tippy toe was a, was a girl. But I should not have assumed that. You'll probably find it faster on the internet than I will on the book. But. Well, you flip pages. I'll click buttons. But for some reason, I remember when she gives the squirrel the... Nope. Female. Female. Yeah. All right. Pink bow it is then. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that when she met Tippy-Toe and gave her the pink bow, that they had said something about it being a boy, but apparently not. I need to read more carefully. All right, we're going to move into the meat of the episode. Meat's a gross word. I don't know what else to call it. The 
Body, that's also a weird word. Why is the middle of something always gross sounding? Act two, that's kind of innocuous. We're going to move into the main section of our introductory episode, where we're going to talk about some introductions. What are our favorite character introductions in all all fiction is fair game here. So books, movies, TV shows. You want to start us off? So one of my all-time favorite Harry Potter characters is Molly Weasley. And her introduction is basically the same in book and movie. We see her at the platform nine and three quarters where Harry Potter is feeling lost and like, how do I get onto platform nine and three quarters? And uh, she calls out really loudly, you know, packed with muggles and uh oh i know the theory you're gonna say i've heard right. the theory okay sorry I, I shouldn't have interrupted you but you told me before that you'd heard a theory about molly weasley's introduction and it, i just remembered it but yeah go ahead and i love molly so much and that seems kind of like a very innocuous introduction but i was reading on the internet this theory that molly weasley you know, i mean she's a mother she's aware of children she would have seen this lost looking boy with an owl and uh she would have kind of thought okay he looks like he needs some help and instead of approaching him um she would have kind of in an off-handed louder way just been like packed with muggles you know docking or docking me <laughs> packed with muggles uh platform nine and three quarters this way and as a kind of way of letting him know that she was there and of could be of help to him and useful to him in a very motherly way without like scaring him off in some way and so i love that idea i love the idea whether it's canon or not but just that she because she's a very caring character and she was more than willing to help him when we see him so i think that is definitely a solid argument there for for molly weasley's introduction one of my favorite character introductions in all of fiction is yoda in empire strikes back because he is this really weird crazy little character and if you don't know who yoda is up to that point you don't know that he's yoda he is playing a character and he's He's making Luke think that he's just this crazy little creature. He doesn't know that he's a wise Jedi master. And he's definitely playing, he's definitely preying on Luke's patience and testing him. Then there's just this awesome turn from kooky character to wise, old, ancient little creature that's conversing Mentor. with Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi-Wan through the Force. And then it dawns on Luke, oh, this guy is the Jedi master I've been looking for. Shouldn't have been so quick to dismiss him, right. Luke. Oh, Teenage so Luke. Such a good test, and all of Yoda and Empire Strikes Back is just golden, and uh, it's those are some of my favorite scenes in all of all of Star Wars and, and all of fiction, really. What's another of your favorite character introductions? Can we mention really quickly the reintroduction of Luke? What about him? Just when he comes back in the you know the newest trilogy and the Last Jedi. Well, I guess we see him at the end of Force Awakens, but really we see him at the beginning of The Last Jedi, and I just love old Luke so much more than young Luke. Makes me think of the <laughs> music man where he's like, you know, a sadder but wiser girl for me. I like the sadder but wiser Luke. <laughs> sadder but wiser Luke. Yep. <laughs> that was a very controversial lightsaber toss there. I loved it. He's I, like, whatever. I don't need this lightsaber. I didn't like it at first only because people were laughing, and I was like, oh, it's kind of supposed to be a funny thing. But every time I watch it now at home, I'm like, I don't find it funny and I don't want to find it funny. It's kind of a sad thing and it's meant to be more of a character driven thing than a comedic thing, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think it was just the audience around us that were laughing at it, but I didn't. That does sound familiar, but I didn't really remember that. And I don't think of it as funny. I think of it as more like he's dismissing his yeah, past. Yeah. So I like it now, but um, I was iffy during the first viewing just because of all the laughter. But 
Yeah, that's a good one. One of my favorites is the introduction of Strider in the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, especially in the book. He's just shrouded in, in mystery, and you're not sure who this um, this human character is, and uh, the characters, of the hobbits aren't sure who he is, and eventually later they say... Um, the Prancing Pony? Yeah, the Prancing Pony. Um, later the, the hobbits say, well, if, if he was a bad guy, he would look fairer but feel fouler, and I, I like that idea um, that he... He's kind of uh, a little bit of a messy character to look at, so to speak. But he immediately is already helping them. He's helping Frodo to distract um, the other hobbits from telling too much information to the the bar people, the people at the bar. And he's helping them get away from evil that's chasing them, essentially. Uh, the movie version is really good, too, and I really like that. But there's just something about uh, Tolkien's prose right there that um, adds to the mystery of his character and I just love Aragorn and so I get I get giddy when he's getting introduced but it's funny that you picked Aragorn because I picked Arwen as one of mine but not in the books because in the book she has a very minor role that's one of the improvements I feel like the movies made over the books is that the few female characters are there have more prominent roles mm. and so Arwen in the movies where she catches Aragorn off guard well, he's trying to find a plant to help Frodo and says, you know, what's this? Does she say a ranger without his blade or something like that? A ranger like caught that. off his guard. A ranger caught off like his guard, man. something along those lines. And so I really love that. And then the idea that she is the one who rescues Frodo and rides him across the river and sends the I love that the moment. horse waves down the, the river. It's right. so good. Yeah, it's like I'm a big fan of that line. If you want him, come and claim him. It's just yeah, it's pretty bad, eh? One of my favorite movies is Kubo and the Two Strings. It's a beautiful stop-motion film by Leica Studios. If you haven't seen it, uh, I can't recommend it enough. It is fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies um, ever. I concur. But anyways, there's these two villains that are introduced fairly early on in the movie, uh, these sisters, and they are terrifying and everything about their introduction. And I don't want to, maybe I don't want to say too much about this one because you should just go watch it. The other characters we've mentioned, people probably know about, but there might be a a portion of you listeners that haven't seen Kubo. So go watch it and tell me if you also are terrified by the introduction of the sisters. But it's not so scary that you can't watch it, but it's not, you know, it's like little kid scary. Well, but, but our six-year-old wouldn't watch it, but Yeah, he's but our six-year-old scared. won't watch the Lego movie, so. True. <laughs> so he has a low threshold, but, you know, older children. Yeah, older kids, it'll it'll be just right for older kids, but. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty scary. I get a little bit creeped out by it. Yeah, because there are these two sisters and they're like flying, floating. Yeah, they're sort of floating across the river and and their and voices are creepy. Their voices are creepy, but they speak in unison. Like they almost have the same yeah. voice when they speak. It's voiced by uh, Rooney Mara, if you know who that actress is. And she just has a very otherworldly voice to her, which is just so fitting there. Right. Anyways, great movie. Definitely check it out. One of my favorite Marvel characters other than Squirrel Girl, but she's not in enough things. So, but one of my favorite introductions of a Marvel character and one of my favorite Marvel characters in general is Black Panther. So in Captain America Civil War, we first meet T'Challa, the prince of Wakanda, but we don't know that he's Black Panther yet. And so later in the movie, when you see Captain America is chasing down the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, and they are on a rooftop and all of a sudden this black figure just kind of knocks Bucky down and uh, then they kind of pan up over Black Panther and his awesome costume first of all but then you see that he can take on 
these two superhumans, Bucky and Captain America, like he's one of them. And so I think it's a great introduction of his strength as a character and his fierceness and he chases them for a really long time so I think it shows his dedication and and then after they're all surrounded by the who is it is he, it's not like the United Nations but the uh, you know there's war machine and then some I don't know if it's just regular police dudes yeah authorities of some authorities kind. <laughs> have surrounded them and he takes off the hood and you see that he is T'Challa I think that's a great introduction. That's a really good one. Yeah, and, and like you said, he definitely holds his own against the other heroes, and and it just adds to that mystery of what are this guy's powers and how is he doing all this? And we get more of that in Black, Black Panther, Panther, really, but but it's a great setup. Back to Star Wars, just um, because a you bit. can't leave it alone. Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to leave Star Wars alone. <laughs> you and stars have a thing. <laughs> We're intertwined. Inseparable. <laughs> Uh, I love Kylo Ren's introduction in The Force Awakens, that whole first scene. We get the introduction to his music before we get him, of course, and then we see how formidable he is and how dangerous he is and evil, or, of course, later, later we learn he's sort of trying to be evil, but he does kill Lor Santeca, and, and we get the introduction to his lightsaber with the cross sabers on it. But the coolest part about that whole scene is is when Poe shoots the blaster bolt and Kylo Ren just turns and blocks it in, mid- in midair. And we'd never seen anything quite like that before in Star Wars. And that was a great introduction to the whole sequel trilogy where we've gotten a lot of new force powers. And it all started at that point. The closest we get is is Darth Vader blocking a blaster bolt with his hand on an Empire Strikes Back. But this is like on a whole other level. And we see the, the force ability of, of Kylo Ren in, in full view. And uh, it just is like a, it's a very shocking moment the first time you see that. Plus just his his mask, his costume, like it's all very well done. And he's mm. all black and there's the smoke of the battle around him and his cool shuttle that he comes in on. like Which is funny because I almost feel like they set him up as this really great villain from the very beginning. And then he starts to let you down throughout. Like you start, as a villain. As a villain. Yeah. You're like, wait, he's kind of just a kid still. Like he doesn't quite have it as down as you would think he would have for being the villain of the movie. Yeah. Uh, which is just a really interesting twist. But they set him out as being a very powerful villain. I could talk about Kylo Ren for hours, so I won't, because maybe we just need to do a Kylo Ren episode, because I love Kylo Ren, and I even loved him in Force Awakens when I I felt like a lot of people didn't. So I'm going to be hipster about it. I've always loved Kylo Ren. I liked him before. It was cool to like him. Speaking of men who wear all black, we've got uh, one of my favorite books and movies, uh, The Princess Bride. It's kind of a cult favorite but that one has the man in black when we meet the sicilian and inigo and fezzik and they've captured princess buttercup which i'm curious why they call her a princess when she's not a princess she's not yet she's not yet she would be queen eventually but she was just a commoner i think don't they say something like they have to pretend she's a princess so that it's okay oh that that sounds familiar i think it's all um fake that so she's not really a princess, but everyone calls her one because they're yeah, trying it's to a ploy. give her reasoning to yes be able to be married to the prince. That makes sense. That sounds familiar. We'll have to double check. I that. read it not that long ago, but I can't remember now for sure. But I'm pretty sure there's something like that. Anyway, so they've captured Princess Buttercup and they're taking her up the the cliffs of insanity. <laughs> exactly. The right there, so <laughs> They're taking her up the Cliffs of Insanity, and Fezzik is carrying them all up the Cliffs of Insanity. And then he, and Fezzik's supposed to be a man of great strength, but the man in black 
is able to climb the rope behind them. And, you know, the classic line, the Sicilian keeps saying, inconceivable. And uh, so he is climbing the rope and the others get to the top and then they untie the rope and the rope falls, but he's able to scale the rest of the cliffs. Plus, you get this sense of humor from him really early on, like when he tells Inigo that he should, if he's tired of waiting, he should lower a rope or branch or be helpful in some way. And uh, he's like, ah, you wouldn't trust me because I'm, sh- you wouldn't trust me because I'm just waiting here to kill you. He says that does put a damper on our relationship. Like, you know, <laughs> there's just so many good lines. But he's got a, he's an imposing character because of all of his feats of strength and then his swordsmanship and he outsmarts the Sicilian. But he's also kind of funny in a sarcastic way that I really enjoy and just a great character. And that whole introduction to him is fabulous. I think I see a running theme. We've got Black Panther, Kylo Ren, the Man in Black. All these characters that are introduced, oh, Strider too, shrouded in mystery, wearing dark clothing. You don't know if they're good or bad. These are good introductions. Um, they're formidable and, and fearsome. We have a lot of those. And then That's there's Molly true. Weasley. And Yoda. <laughs> and Yoda. Little, <laughs> the little oddities. They both S- wear knitted sweaters. Speaking of oddities, although he doesn't wear a knitted sweater, um, we're going to end this section of the episode on what I believe is the greatest character introduction, possibly in all of fiction, definitely in all of Marvel. And I'm not overselling it, even though Valerie is laughing at me as I say this. <laughs> I'm, I'm half with you. Okay. The greatest of all time. I think it's the funniest of all time. And the greatest is Korg from Thor Ragnarok. You've got Thor, who's just been put into prison, and immediately there's this character, and I... I don't know that I could do the New Zealand accent, so my version's not going to be as funny. But if you've seen it, you know why it's funny. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. What are you doing? Thor Ragnarok's amazing. Uh, and he says, just this pile of rocks waving at you, and uh, which immediately is just hilarious. And, and then he says, I'm made of rocks. I'm just going to read it. I'm made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you unless you're made of scissors. Just a rock, paper, scissors joke for you, which is... Your New Zealand accent isn't bad. Thanks. It's it's okay. It's it's not as good as Taika Waititi. Well, well I mean, he's, he's New a Zealand. native. <laughs> but that's also not his real voice. He was putting on a little bit of a of a different voice, but same accent. And then later in in that same scene, but just a little bit later, comes what I believe is the greatest line in all of Marvel, which is I tried to start a revolution, but didn't print enough pamphlets, which is just <laughs> just the best. It makes me laugh I, so hard every time. Every time and. Shout out to my friend TJ because we watched that for the first time together in theaters when it came out. And uh, man, we were just busting up. That was greatest line, greatest line, greatest introduction ever. And because Taika Waititi, the director, actor, mostly director. Pure human talent. Yes. That's his official title. <laughs> He's fantastic. And if you haven't watched Hunt for the Wilder People, yes. do that. It's on Hulu. Well, we're going to end the episode with some of our fiction recommendations, but oh. maybe we just let's do that, just now. do that now because that's a perfect segue. Okay. Are you going to recommend? Go watch Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay. And then I already said one. Go watch Kubo and the Two Strings. Those are our fiction recommendations. For the last little bit of today's episode, we're going to let you, the listeners, get to know us a little bit better as the hosts of this podcast and I have created a list of get to know you questions. Are we going to tell our origin stories? Because I love origin stories. Our origin stories? None of the questions are related, but if you want to tell Just kidding, your my origin, origin story is really boring. Oh, okay. 
Mine's pretty awesome. You were born from the rocks of a a baby. (laughs) Just a little kicking and screaming joke for you there. All right, Valerie. If you were stranded forever on a desert island, but for whatever reason you had a working Blu-ray player, what movie would you watch for the rest of your life? Because you're stuck there for the rest of your life. There are very few movies that I feel I can watch on endless repeat and never get sick of them. But the one that comes to mind first is While You Were Sleeping. Classic Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. Yeah, what a specimen, (laughs) that Bill Pullman. (laughs) Sandra Bullock, too. Right. What a movie. And so, so funny and very relatable. The characters are great. Yeah, I'd watch that forever. Also, these mashed potatoes are so creamy. Okay, then, for me, and you did already mention it in this episode, but I'm going to say it anyways, and I would have said it regardless, and it is The Princess Bride. That movie is so rewatchable, and we rewatch it multiple times every year. Plus, it holds a special place in my heart. It was released the month that I was born, September 1987. That's the movie I'm going to watch as I die on this desert island. Very classic. Also, I thought you might have said Thor Ragnarok. That one I I considered as well. It's very rewatchable, yeah. I feel it, like. It really is. Our next question, what is your favorite book? My favorite book is The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Jester. It is a book I've been reading since I was a wee lad, and it is another one that's very important, but also just a lot of fun, and, and you get something from it each time. Like, there's so many jokes that I missed when I was a little kid that I get now. And it also started my love of uh, word humor and ability to be creative with language, and it's just so inspiring. As a English literature major, I have a hard time picking a favorite book. I don't even know where to start. Maybe I'll mention my favorite book I've read in this year, which was When Mischief Came to Town. It's a juvenile fiction book. It's really short. Read it in a couple days. And it's a kid's book. It's a chapter book, juvenile kids. Anyways, it's the sweetest story. It's about a little girl who lost her mother, and which just sounds like such a downer of a story. And it's very sweet in that way, but it's really funny, guys. Like, I was laughing out loud in parts, which I feel is really rare for a book. So that's the book I keep talking about lately to everyone, so I'm going to mention that one. I'm going to have to read when that When Mischief one. Came to Town. Who is your favorite fictional character? Korg. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Squirrel Girl. Also Squirrel Girl. Can I have a Korg and Squirrel Girl mashup? Doreen Green. Oh, man. That would be great. They seems like their humor is very on par. That's the buddy cop movie that I need. Except neither of them is, like, too serious. Good cop and bad cop. Yeah, Mm. good cop, bad cop stereotype. Yeah, I feel like Squirrel Girl sometimes tries to be, but it just comes off as funny. Right. Like, like she can't quite pull it off. She's too positive and bubbly. Who is your favorite fictional character? For me, it is a tie between two Harry Potter characters, Hermione Granger and Luna Lovegood. I can't... I Uh, I vacillate between which one's my favorite Mm. there. Hermione because I am Hermione, and if you know me, you know that I'm Hermione. And Luna because I wish I was Luna, and she's just so wise. Self-assured. And, uh, yeah, confident and um, present in the world, but also not present. She has that weird quality (laughs) that I I can't explain. Like, she's there, but uh, she's... She's almost ethereal. Yeah. She could fit in among the elves. That's a good word for it, for sure. something else she... Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she'd be great in the fellowship. Put Luna in there. Man, she would drive Gimli crazy. 
I just feel like she'd be able to fix all of Gollum's problems. Oh, yeah. She and Gollum could have, you know, a little ch- chat and they could talk it out. Or drive him further into madness. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> Either she'd help him or she'd, she'd send move him, him off. in some direction. That's what's important. <laughs> Casey, what is your Patronus? Are we going Pottermore Patronus or just what I feel in my in myself and my person? Or both? Tell me both. My Pottermore Patronus is, and this is further evidence that I'm Hermione, is an otter, which is also Hermione's Patronus. If I could choose my Patronus, my Patronus would be, it's a tie between, I'm going to keep tying things, it's a tie between a manatee and General Antok Merrick from Rogue One. <laughs> He's a person. He's my Patronus. He can't be your Patronus. Too late. I already said it. Maybe. Just his mustache oh, is your Patronus? No. No, here's. But it's I want not a, giant a tie anymore. Patronus. It's a mashup. It's okay. a manatee Merrick. Mm, Another manatee. drawing that we need from somebody. <laughs> Please draw General Merrick from Rogue One mixed with a manatee. Basically, just his mustache on a manatee. And his uh, helmet. His, his helmet. His uh, yes. X Wing pilot's helmet. Okay, what's your Patronus? You know, I wouldn't have picked it because I'm. You can't say you're not a dog person because that seems like everybody would hate you forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a cat person. I'm not really a pet person in general. There was a dog running around our our backyard today, and you were fine with that. Right. I like them. I just don't want to own a pet. Okay. I like pets. Okay. I just don't want to take care of one myself. Okay. But on Pottermore, my Patronus is a St. Bernard, which is the dog that goes and rescues people, which I feel like is a very motherly quality, which I feel like I am a very mothering person. Even before I was an actual mother, I was always the person who was like, checking in on my roommates and being like well did you finish that assignment and when are you getting home and are you like <laughs> it's just my nature and so i i feel like that fits saint bernard so then it also fits because you don't have to take care of it the patronus right. takes care of you exactly <laughs> <laughs> but what's your if you could choose your patronus what would it be i don't know that i've ever thought about that bill pullman <laughs> why are you picking human patronuses that just seems weird but it's not their actual humans, so it's not like you're forcing them into servitude. It's just the image. I'd have an ent as my Patronus. Oh, yes. I came up with it. There you go. Treebeard. Treebeard specifically. Patronus. Yeah, I love Treebeard. It's fantastic. Valerie, if you could live in any fictional setting, what would it be? Not the frozen tundra of Hoth. Can I live in, in a sugar rush? Sugar rush. Sugar rush. No, it's in my head. S-U-G-A-R. Something, 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 something. Sugar, sugar rush. rush. Sugar rush. Um, you would die. Sugar. I would die. Maybe you have more self-control, but like... I, if you're just... It depends. If you're a video game character, If I'm a okay. video game character, I'm okay to just eat and eat and eat and eat and my form will stay the same, right? I guess. If you have unlimited lives, depends what type <laughs> of video game character you are. I think those racers probably have unlimited lives, so you'd probably be safe. Yeah. Also, is your name? Also, I love race Francis Fluggerbutter. <laughs> Candlehead. <laughs> That's my favorite. That's my. F- we They're should all watch fantastic. it. We haven't seen the new one yet. It just no, came out. We want to. Yeah. But I love race car games, so you get to race around. And I love all things sweet. That's so a good choice. I'm going to live in Sugar Rush. Mine's not uh, quite so pink. Mine is the Shire. I would live in the Shire. We almost do live in the Shire. In but the middle really. of nowhere, yeah. in a small town. Well, they're the same because we have no stoplights, and and Hobbiton has no stoplights. So basically, they're, they're the same. They're the same place. Yeah. No, we don't really live in the Shire, but 
sometimes in certain directions and certain lights, it almost looks like the Shire. Beautiful and I just place. wish it was a Shire. But. Casey, who is your favorite Disney villain? I used to say Jafar, but Jafar kind of creeps me out when he starts enslaving Jasmine now that I watch it when I'm older. So I'm not going to say Jafar. But I mean, he's a villain. He's supposed to creep you out. Well, yeah, but it's like a lot for a kid's movie, I feel like. Fair enough. I think I've always liked this villain as a villain, but the older I get, the more I appreciate how wonderful Scar is and Jeremy Irons voice performance is really good as well and uh, i can't remember who does the singing voice but the song's great and yeah i think i might go with scar at this point the fire and bambi <laughs> the fire and bambi or the no. bullet that <laughs> killed the mother this is the gun that shot the bear that killed the man what that, that's a movie jeremiah johnson that's what i was quoting robert redford yeah what's your favorite disney villain i don't like villains <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I th- there are lots of good, good, bad villains. I mean, there's classics. Maleficent. Oh, Maleficent is fantastic. That I really do love yeah. that she shows up at basically like the Princess Aurora's I don't know, baby shower, baby shower blessing or whatever you know, introduction to the kingdom, baptism, something like and, that. And uh, she's like, I'm not upset you didn't invite me at all. So passive aggressive, right? And then it's she's wonderful. like, but really. I'm going to curse your child <laughs> forever. I feel like Aurora's parents should have seen that coming and been like, if we don't invite her, she's going to curse the child. So even though she's not the best party guest, we should probably invite her so she doesn't curse she our baby. She might have brought a terrible gift, but better than a terrible curse. Right. Like an expired car seat is, is a lot better than Prick your finger curse. and die. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with Maleficent. Which member of the Fellowship of the Ring are you? Sam, 100%. Oh, yeah. That I was easy wish and true. I was more of a Pippin and Mary because I think they're so funny and hilarious. Yeah. And just more lighthearted as characters. Mm-hmm. But I am an overthinker. I am a preparer. I am a trying to take care of everybody kind of person. So, Sam. I think I'm kind of a mixture of Sam and Mary. I don't know that I can explain why, but. Uh, just because Mary, between Mary and Pippin, Mary is a little more world-wise and um, not grumpy, but he's not quite so um, naive. upbeat and naive yeah, as, as Pippin is. So I think I've got a little bit of that quality, but I'm also a worrier, and um, so I've got that about me and Sam. I wish I was Aragorn, but I am not a king, and I'm not Viggo Mortensen, to my great shame. You hate the outdoors. <laughs> don't hate the outdoors you never go to the outdoors you don't choose the outdoors that's because it's a blizzard right now (laughs) all right back to hogwarts what is your hogwarts house ravenclaw me too ravenclaw that was easy second house i would say i'm a raven puff you are a raven puff i don't remember what mine is or i don't know what mine would be i'm pretty heavy ravenclaw i think would you rather fight 20 porg-sized T-Rexes or one T-Rex-sized porg? <laughs> I can't even get through the question. <laughs> yeah, so a bunch of little T-Rexes or one big, giant, bloodthirsty porg. Well, but here's the thing. If the porg is just a porg but giant, it would still have a porg-like nature. still just be pretty easygoing. Maybe, no, maybe a little upset. obnoxious. It's upset that his friend got almost eaten and... Either way, his friend is dead. One that Chewie was going to eat. Got cooked. And, yeah. And but so, we don't know whether they got eaten or not. No. So he's upset. Like, angry upset. Like, 
But he's still a pork. Anakin Skywalker. Can you picture a giant pork? Like, he can't even chase you down. They've got teeth. Feet, if you look in waddly. your mouth, they've got teeth. Yeah, but he's, like, all waddly. He can't even fish. get to they you. They can fly a little bit. And they've got those teeth. Now, those teeth are really big now. No, I still think I'd take the one giant porg. I would, too. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Over 20 here. little T-Rexes that are, like, yeah. biting your ankles. Because that's like compies <laughs> from the second, from Jurassic Beware World. The not Jurassic grasses. World. From, yeah, from Stay the, lost, the Lost World. Those compies that, terrifying. like, bite on that guy's skin. And, yeah, so that would be the same thing. But probably even scarier. So I think I think we both landed on the correct answer, which is a giant porg. Because that'd be cute. And he probably wouldn't try to hurt you. And I think you could just use him as a trampoline. Giant cuddles. Could you sleep on a giant porg? Softest bed. A feather bed. Valerie, what is your favorite Disney soundtrack? That's tough. Are we talking musicals or are we're, we let's talking? Let's go cartoon. So okay, we're nixing newsies out. No newsies. But then still, are we talking musicals or are we talking soundtracks? Oh, like score? Yeah. I, w- I was thinking like Because I love like the Finding Nemo score but that's not musical. I just wrote these without any uh, further thought to it, so mm. if okay, that's your so answer, go talking, for it. Well, that would be my soundtrack, but if we're talking musicals, Mary Poppins, that would be my favorite. Julie Andrews is the best of us, that's for sure. Absolutely she is. Um, my answer is Mulan. Mulan forever. Also a classic. Yeah. We've had this debate, and um, we should do an episode about the best montages in movies. I love montages. Um, specifically training. Origin stories and training, training montages, montages are my love languages. We had this debate <laughs> years ago. It was the the biggest fight in our marriage was, is the Rocky Four training montage better than the Mulan training montage? And I was on the side of Rocky Four because Rocky is carrying logs up snowy mountains. And you were on the side Mulan of Mulan. Mulan is shooting arrows into tomatoes. The Mulan one is great. And that's why I said Mulan's my favorite and catching soundtrack. catching like fish straight out of the river with her bare hands. Okay, but you only get one storyline in that montage. You don't get the Rocky training in the snowy barn paralleled to Drago training with machines and robots and... And um, we get her climbing Russian the, track. The, Beautiful. The giant spar pole at the end with just her weights. It's great, but I will argue to my grave that the Rocky Four training montage is the greatest of all time. You don't want a wax on, wax off montage? Is there a montage in Karate Kid? There's got to be, but I can't remember. Pretty sure it's. Is it after he gets like into the competition? I'm pretty sure. I think there's a montage. There's a kind of a montage during the competition a little bit too but right they, could be they like speed that up anyways you montages in general order of the phoenix the movie has a lot of montages it's like montages on montages the last time you watched it i was like there's a lot of montages in this i'm a i'm an order of the phoenix movie apologist that's one of my favorites i know some people don't care for it as much but end book i i love order of the phoenix see what i love about a montage is that you can get so much of the story in so short of a time yeah. Which is the problem that you have when you take a book to movie is you don't have enough time to give it credit. So I feel like a montage is a great way to fit a little extra in. You know, it doesn't have montages, Star Wars. Not one, ever. I don't believe there's ever been a montage in Star Wars. I mean, you get like Luke training. There's a certain visual language to Star Wars. A montage. That was our, like, George Lucas called it like documentary style, so it was, wasn't very flashy. And the new trilogy's moved away a little bit from that with things like flashbacks and stuff. 
but uh, yeah, I don't think there's any montages. Please correct me if I'm wrong, because I could be, but I'm I'm pretty sure there's not a single montage in Star Wars. Fascinating. All right, last question. Which fictional character do you have a crush on? I know there's got to be one, but it's not coming to mind immediately. Do you have one that comes immediately to mind? Yeah, I've mentioned it. It's my Patronus, General (laughs) Antok, Merrick from Rogue One, a mustache, and yeah, that's my answer. You got a thing Um, for a man with a mustache? Okay, then I've got mine, and it's not Bill Pullman. Okay. Although I feel like he could be a similar character. From the Jane Austen book, Persuasion, which is my favorite of her books, Captain Frederick Wentworth. Final answer. I've had a crush on him for a Why? long time. Why? What's so great about this Frederick Wentworth? I haven't read Persuasion, you're so gonna persuade have to, me. You're going to have to read the book and find out. <laughs> find out if I'm, any, if I'm anything like <laughs> Wentworth, Frederick Wentworth. Are you a sea captain? <laughs> yeah, during the day. You mean during the evenings when you play Sea of Thieves? Yeah, there you go. Well, thanks for listening. We hope you have got to know us a little bit better. Uh, this podcast is all about diving into themes and characters and settings. And this first episode we, was a little bit lighter, and, and we'll have some lighter episodes throughout. And we'll always try to have fun, but we also like to dive deep and really like to analyze stuff. We love deeply nerdy conversations. Yeah. Make connections, um, recognize differences between different series and uh, and fandoms and we went we both shared a an English professor in college named Laura Hamblin and she always said well she has two things that she said that I remember one was you only have one exclamation point you can use in your entire life which in this day and age we're all we're all done for because you can't use periods anymore and but they the other thing too serious yeah the other thing that she said which is why I should say they read too serious yeah. in texts and emails I really brought this teacher up because she also used to say that being creative is just about making connections, and, uh, and that's what we're, we're doing here, drawing connections and contrasts as well, and we hope you continue to listen and that you enjoyed today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is elsewhere underscore pod. You can send us an email at hellofromelsewherepodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time where we will be talking about mentors in fiction.